0: Previously on the Tony Cornizer Show.
1: I lost the top, so I went to my local Ace Hardware and I got this one. So you think you I'm trying to Yeti project? Top, yes. You think I'm trying? Yes, yes it's aspirational,
2: and you're trying to have people say, <laughs> "Look at him; he's done so well; he's got a Yeti." It's very,
1: <laughs> it's it's very on brand. Though. Yeah. Thanks, it's Chris. Ve- Status. Well, Chris definitely has the soft cooler. Yeah, oh yeah. We have <laughs> those, Yeti, of course we have Yeti. For I mean, soccer that's, trips. you know, I got to keep up appearances. I mean, it's a private school. Yeah, exactly.
0: The Tony Kornheiser Show is on
1: now. Are, are you still using that Yeti top? Got my little uh, millennial iced coffee with me right here during the swirl. Maybe I'll go to Ace later. The place with the friendly hardware folks. Uh,
2: let me thank a couple of people here. Let me thank George Mallet. This beautiful drawing of a oh, cardinal. That's fantastic. Oh, the beautiful, boys will love beautiful, that. Beautiful, beautiful cardinals of a cardinal. in our backyard. Um, yeah, okay, you take that home. Take that home and show them. It's beautiful. Let me also thank Tim Tian. Tim Tian writes I hope you, your crew, are all safe. Um, I was in Staples. I saw this gift card and started uh, thinking maybe it would help you with your recent struggles. The $25 Burger King card. Well, that can almost Tim get you Tien. to uh, to uh, Whoppers, right? you to well, have to on, cross on a, state line for on, that. I can't. I can no longer go to the Burger King that I went to whenever I went to Burger King. I don't know the closest Burger King. There now. is no
1: Burger King in Washington D.C. that you can walk into. None. So I have to go to to Delaware. I mean, you could probably go to Maryland or Virginia. It might be a little closer than Delaware, but yeah, let's let's uh, Google Map it. Very
2: nice of Tim T to do. Sure, that. there's
1: one in Arlington that's probably no more than 15 minutes from your house. So, also, Dan
2: Byrne's playing tonight in, in Vienna, Virginia, or tomorrow night? Tonight. Tonight, uh, t- Jam and Java. Jam and
1: Java. Door, uh, doors open at 6.30, I think, and the show starts at 8. We have a celeb guest guy who will be in attendance. Who's going to be Clint there? Sanchez, the executive oh, director wonderful. of our, our first tea chapter. That's wonderful. He's excited
2: That's wonderful. for the show. Go see Dan Byrne tonight in the way that you saw Ronnie Neumeier's group yes. a couple of weeks It'll ago. Yes, hope he opens up his party. Um, what did I want to say?
3: There's a Burger King in Arlington. I yeah, think that's I'm think <laughs> not, not going to Arlington. I'm not going to Arlington. you not going
2: to cross the bridge? No, no, I'm not going to do that. I want to get to a couple of things. You know, I want to get to David Crosby first. Uh, David Crosby died yesterday at 81 years old. Um, David Crosby, Cheney wrote, do you think he'll get a key on the front or nothing? And I said, I think he'll get a key on the front of A1 at the Washington Post. And indeed he did. So I'm just going to talk just briefly about David Crosby. David Crosby, for those of you who are not my age, because I don't know that he's done anything in the last 30 years, really. David Crosby was a member of two of, if you were to write down in in 1960s music, whatever that period extends to, the 1960s, if it starts in the 50s, if it starts with the Beatles, if it ends <clears throat> on and at... Uh, Woodstock in 1969 if it ends in 1973 whatever the parameters are that you say encompass the 60s in terms of music he was in two of the 25 best groups he was in the Birds and he was in Crosby Stills and Nash and I'm leaving out Neil Young Crosby Stills and Nash tell you a story about that there were when the Beatles broke up and there the world was sort of bereft of great music other than the Rolling Stones and The Who and a couple of other groups. Some rock and roll people became free agents, in effect. They left the groups they were in and they formed what were called supergroups in the way that LeBron formed what he called a super team when he went to Miami with uh, Dwayne Wade and who was the center, consequential Chris center. Bosch. Chris Bosh. Chris Bosch. okay. And they won a couple of championships, so they were a super group. The one that everybody expected to be the revolutionary group and take over was Traffic. Traffic had, look up Traffic for me, please. Traffic had, I think Stevie Winwood is one of the greatest singers of all time. And they had, they got Stevie Winwood from the Spencer Davis group. I believe they got Eric Clapton. Yes. From Cream. Eric Clapton is conceded to be the greatest guitar player of all time. Did they have Jack Bruce? Uh, No, that was Cream. Okay, who did they have with drums? Well, I I see Chris Capaldi, Chris Wood, Dave Mason were the original members. Okay. And they they did an album called either Please, Mr. Fantasy or Dear Mr. Fantasy. And it was reviewed very, very well. But at that same time, David Crosby from The Birds and Stephen Stills from Buffalo Springfield and Graham Nash from The Hollies put together an album that did not have anywhere near the anticipation that the Traffic album did. And it was a series of beautifully sweet and haunting songs to the point where most people comparing the two said, you know what? We thought Traffic was going to hit it out of the park and maybe they did, but Crosby, Stills and Nash... They killed it. It's still going. It went over the side of the stadium and it's still going. David Crosby was not a lead singer. I mean, the most famous song he ever sang lead on probably is I Almost Cut My Hair, which is a political song. Yeah. But if we're going to use the sports metaphor that I just used for hitting it out of the park, David Crosby was a glue guy. He made everybody else better in every group he was in. He didn't sing leads with the birds. McGuinn sang leads with the birds. And if he didn't sing leads, Gene Clark sang leads with the birds. And Crosby didn't sing leads with Crosby, Stills, and Nash. They were a harmony group. That's what was so different about them. The last harmony in rock and roll was the Beach Boys. And that was years. The Beach Boys, by the time Crosby, Stills, and Nash came out, the Beach Boys were doing something completely different, and they were typecast. They were typecast, and they were trying to break out of that typecasting. But Crosby, Stills, and Nash just made beautiful, beautiful music that is memorable, I think, to this day, unless you're young and you've never heard it, right? Are you familiar, Michael, with Crosby, Stills, and Nash? I am,
1: but I I appreciate the history lesson because I know the songs. I don't know the stories behind the songs.
2: Yeah. um, I don't know the
1: moves. David Crosby also, I think, became somewhat famous
2: afterwards through artificially inseminating... Um, Melissa Etheridge's. Melissa, Melissa Etheridge's children. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, David Crow. I'm sure... I don't know. I haven't read the old but I'm sure his story is the same as so many others. I'm sure he got in trouble with drugs. Yes. You know, I'm sure he became dissipated to some degree. I'm Spent sure, time in prison. Yeah, I'm sure he had to do... You know, they... They don't all spend time in prison, but right. they all go down the drain. Yes. And then they come back. Yeah. And the proof of them coming back is Mick Jagger's 80 years old. And Keith Richards. Yeah. <laughs> Still around. Keith Richards. you never, you know, you would have bet that Keith Richards went quicker. Like you're making the bet in sports. You're making it on Tyson and John Daly and Alan Iverson. You're making the bet in rock and roll. Keith Richards won. Yes. He's won. He's not going to make it, kids. <laughs> He's 80. Yes. Still plays. But I I read
3: some of the comments by Crosby and about his time, you know, really battling alcohol and drugs and just being on the edge. And he said, I'm just angry at myself. Like, I wasted 10 years at least. Yeah. And one of the things he came to realize was that... I look forward to reading the obit. Yeah, it was... I mean, what I just was said good. was not with the benefit of reading the obit. I did find out one thing. We were incorrect about Clapton playing with Traffic. Okay. He played with Blind Faith, Blind faith. State That's state the with, other super group. Yes. Right, so it wasn't Traffic. Yeah, but he played... I think he went on stage once... And played uh, on Mr. Fantasy with Winwood. never said, oh, they're going to get back together
2: again. So, so, everybody, so Blind yeah. Faith, yeah. Everybody thought that would be great, too. But it, yeah. but it wasn't It wasn't as good. Mm-mm. And as it turns out, it wasn't as, and revolutionary is too strong a word, but it was directional. It changed music. It's like the first time you heard the Beatles, you went, whoa, whoa. It's like the first time you saw Star Wars. Oh, this is different. Oh, what are they doing? This is different. The Beatles were different right away. Crosby, Stills, and Nash were different right away. And you went, oh, that's really something. They didn't last long, right? They took in Neil Young. It was cha- changed. It changed. It changed. That, when they're on stage at Woodstock,
3: that's when, I mean, that's pretty really, good. Well, I think they say this is only like the third time we've played in front of people. So we're pretty scared up here. And they sort of loosely say, um, and then they start playing and you're like, well, this is like nothing I've ever heard. Yeah, it's different. It's <laughs> it was
2: really different. good. So I wanted to get that in. And if I'm wrong, you'll write me and you'll tell me, Tony, you're an idiot. And it won't be the first time. <laughs> it won't be the first time. I got this letter from Cigna. I'm a case manager with Cigna. I've tried t- calling to talk with you, but haven't been able to reach you. I'm not going to give the person's name on the back. I've
1: tried calling to talk with you, but haven't been able to reach you. Are you adding the tone to this, or is it visible in the print?
2: No, 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 no. I'm a case manager with Cigna. I've tried okay, calling. So nothing's
1: like in italics? No, 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 underlined. no. I've tried
2: calling to talk with you, but haven't been able to reach you. Oh, okay. So I have this letter, and the letter is fine. But the letter was sent out. The letter was sent out before the thing I'm gonna tell you happened, which was two days ago. I got a call from this person. Again, I'm not gonna mention the name. I got a call from this person. And I don't answer the phone when I'm working, and I don't answer the phone often when it's a call that I don't don't know who they are. But I listened to the voice message, and within an hour, I called this person back. Mm -hmm. Within an hour. And I said, You've been trying to reach me. I'm Tony Kornheiser. I just got your message. I would love to talk with you. This letter was already in the mail. This person had not... I listen... To voicemails. Yes, you do. I never got a... If I had gotten a call, as I just did when I got the call, I called back within an hour. If I had gotten a voicemail from this person, from
1: Cigna, you bet I would have called back. So you think this like a prevent defense. They sent that out early. Yes, they definitely sent it out early. Cigna,
2: which again stands for... um, What is it? Consciously... I forgot already. Ignoring? (laughs) Consciously indifferent. Oh. Gives no aid. <laughs> That's,
3: right. Seems about right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So now when he said he was trying, maybe he just was trying mentally. Thought about it. Yeah. Thought about it, but hadn't worked up to actually dialing the number. He's on my to do list. Yeah.
2: Let's like, try. Like
1: your new couch.
2: I, you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would have done this. I would have, because I did call. Yeah. I would have called. I'm happy to talk to someone at Sigma. Happy to. I don't know that they're going to be happy to listen. <laughs> But I'm happy to talk to someone.
1: Did you see that the CW is entering the sports space? With Live? Live finally has a home. Yeah, yeah. But didn't we talk about that the other day, or do we not know it was... No, it wasn't final. I mean, it was, I think it was teased because well, of 30 Farad- Faraday had said something about it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, is that a good... I, the question we had that Wilbon and I had the other day, on Wednesday, I guess it was, was this a, um, a sign of strength or a sign of weakness? We both said sign of strength, because until you like, it might be a sign of weakness if they were on NBC and then they went to the CW, but they were on nothing.
1: Yeah, nothing They went from zero to something. And this this is reaching 100 plus million households. The interesting thing is it's on my cable for the last couple of weeks. People thought they were going to have to pay to get this thing on anything. Uh, and then you were just in terms of the entanglements between who owns what, you're looking at uh, who is now a very much a minority owner is are two groups that have billions of dollars invested in the PGA Tour. Uh, but no, this is who knows. When you think of the CW, do you think of golf? Yeah, you think of golf the and Gilmore, Gilmore Girls. Yeah, Gilmore, yeah, Gilmore girls. girls reruns, yeah, Gossip yeah, small, Girls. Yeah, Smallville. Yeah, you think of the oh Gilmore Girls But oh my God, girls. if they could bring back the One Tree Hill opening scene <laughs> <Can I> with <laughs> <like> Brooks <laughs> Capgill pulling up the hoodie as he crosses the bridge. On yes,
2: my cable I don't system. On my Anything. cable system, <laughs> CW is
3: 803,
2: and NBC's 804. It's right there. It's very easy. It's, it's right there. I think this is a win for the Saudi tour. Don't you? I know they, they, they have no rights fees, and I know they pay their own production. Those are monetary issues. They don't care about them in Saudi Arabia. No, if so. they're all in on sports watching for money, they don't care about money.
1: Yeah, eventually there's going to be a question of what they're getting in return. I think right now they're trying to see, as as the commissioner for the PJ Tour, Monaghan, said uh, recently, now it's product versus product. And That's you're right. Gonna, you, now you're going to be able to see as they start their new season in February. Is there any interest in the general uh, sports viewing audience to watch something like this that looks and sounds very different? Uh, if you look at what has happened to the PJ Tour streaming rights as it went from totally in-house with PGA tour live to various entities. And now it is with you at ESPN plus, and they're able to track how much that streaming service has helped them, but also helped the network in terms of these early numbers. Uh, This is not exactly what they would have wanted. They wanted probably Amazon, something like that, but they wanted Fox. It's something. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is going to depend upon
2: how you reach the general public to say, this is on. I mean, you got to do a lot of advertising. You got to spend a lot of money to reach the public to say this is on. And then it's product
1: versus product. Yeah, I think the harder thing here is also going to be this is a worldwide tour. So when you're dealing with your first event that's in Mexico, I think that's going to be easier to get people to watch it at all. I think the secret sauce to this also is uh, the new golf, you know, Netflix show. If you've been watching uh, Breakpoint, uh, Nigel, on the tennis tour. I think there's going to be people hungry for this. It's actually going to come out same time that and that's a PGA Tour show. It's, I think it is. Yeah, I mean, their content it's about was their from PGA yes. Tour players at the time, right? But the the current to that is going to be the question of who's jumping to live, who got their name into it. So they're already teasing a lot of Ian Poulter because he's someone okay. who would have seen what this show did with Formula One. And he's also probably a player who knew he was going to jump and wanted to try and protect some of that legacy before he did. I think he's a pretty smart guy. I think, yeah, I he's think so. I think, he's always, I think he's always been out ahead of his skis in terms of, you know, managing where he was in terms of talent and, and sort of playing up. Yeah, well, he was like a club pro. He was a, he was an assistant club pro cleaning shoes, Yeah, decided to be a tour player. How, and That's did it. And phenomenal. became a Ryder Cup legend. And, did it. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. and did it. And did it. did it. Yeah. I, very admirable. We will
2: take a break. Jason La Confora, when we return, I'm Tony Cornheiser.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited
4: by state law. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is
2: a song called All the Way Back. It's by a band called. Divine Sweater. Divine Sweater is playing a show on Saturday, January 21st. That's tomorrow. Yes. At the Mercury Lounge in New York City. And then at January 28th at O'Brien's Pub in Boston. This is pretty good. A pub in Boston called O'Brien's? Yeah. This is pretty odd. good. And, and this is a letter that we got from Cameron Tava And he says, The basis for Divine Sweater is my buddy Alex, a grad school friend and fellow teacher turned podcast co-host. In the interest of shameless plugs, the podcast is called Celtics Lab. But if you indulge, I have a quick story. A few weeks ago, I was covering a Celtics game. I'm no big cheese, mind you. They put me above the nosebleeds near where the banners hang when I cover games. Anyway, I found my assigned seat, which for this particular night was next to none other than Mr. Bob Ryan himself. I played it as cool as I could, but as a sports fan from Boston, this was understandably a big moment. The game got going and I found myself eager to at least introduce myself. I turned to the most obvious and true point of the entry. Of entry, rather. Hey, Bob. If you don't mind, loved your recent hit on the Tony Kornheiser Show. From there, was off to the races. We talked about the Red Sox, about Mr. Tony's unapologetic apathy towards the NBA, about Trenton, New Jersey, about Dan Shaughnessy, and so much more. Per usual, thanks to you and the show for offering such great connective tissue. If either you or Nigel can facilitate, next up, I'd really like to meet Edith Saliza. <laughs> Again, this is Divine Sweater, which you know, I won't be talking through at the end of the show. And it's called All the Way Back, and they're playing tomorrow night at the Mercury Lounge in New York City, and they play in Jason and Flora, our favorite person. I'll start with this. Um, the Bucks fired Sean Leftwich. Um, you know, Byron Leftwich, I'm yeah. sorry. Byron Leftwich, and had enough guts to say they were firing him. Whereas... The Baltimore Ravens fired Greg Roman yes. and made it seem actually put out a press release where he said he's stepping down to seek other opportunities uh-huh. which is nonsense since you've been saying yes. for weeks he was canned what do these two things mean for the quarterbacks they now call plays for
5: well Tom, Tom Brady's that that thing is over um I, I don't think there's much of a chance um of him going back to Tampa I think that's run its course I talked a lot of people in the league about this weeks ago at the Washington Post and everything I was hearing back was that, um, the moment their season ended, it was, it was basically the end of Tom Brady as a buck. That thing had run its cycle. Right. <laughs> um, the roster, where they are as a franchise, you know, so many of the things that made them stand out to Tom Brady as a win, right bleeping now, um, option three years ago, just, it's just not the same. So it'll be on to the next one. Um, so I don't think there's a correlation there. Uh really, I, I just think um Todd Bowles is gonna have a chance to kinda put his stamp on it this year with his people. Remember he kinda just inherited Bruce Arian's staff, you yeah. know, he went from being the coordinator to the head coach when Arians, you know, pretty late in the in the in the off season decided that he was going to no longer be the head coach and, and he was gonna consult or whatever. You know, in Baltimore, um it It had to change it was going to change it had run its course um they this um revolutionary offense throw it back, you know uh, triple option whatever that that was that that had to something had to give there there had to be some new ideas, some new philosophies some 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 different sort of sets of of eyes um seeing things and different voice calling the games uh now they're saying Lamar's going to have a role in that and whatever. I, I, we'll see, Tony. I, I still think it's going to be um, exceedingly difficult. They've been at this for years with this young man. Years, plural. And they've gotten nowhere. Um, and now the franchise tag looms. And if he was willing to play for 23 last year, you know, if you don't give him everything he wants, he'll go, certainly go out there and play for 45 this that's year. That's right. That's Whether right. that's in Baltimore or somewhere <clears> else. And guess what? He doesn't have to sign that thing until week one, because when you're in the franchise tag, you don't get paid till week one. So I just don't think that in the real world, not the press conference world where we say what we have to say, in the real world I'm not sure it's going to make sense having a new offensive coordinator um, building an offense around a quarterback who might not show up until the night before the regular season starts. So I, that, I, just, I think that's pretty untenable for a team that's still telling you we're trying to win a Super Bowl. I mean, they're not – they went out of their way to say this is no rebuild. Um, so I think he's traded. Um, I think he's traded sooner rather than later. Um, and whether they get some sort of semblance of a quarterback back in that trade, or whether they then have to use some of those assets to get a Derek Carr or a Ryan Tannehill or, or what have you, remains to be seen. Um, but you know, I'm old enough to remember two days ago where Lamar Jackson putting up an Instagram post saying they didn't appreciate me, they didn't polish me up, they let me down. You know, when you have a good thing, this is how you treat it. And that's certainly not what they did to him. So I think there's a lot of work to be done there.
2: Yeah, Robert Griffin did that with Washington, except Robert Griffin had been hurt at that point and wasn't nearly as good, not nearly as good as Lamar Jackson. I should should add parenthetically that coaches do this. They get rid of coordinators to keep their jobs. That's how it works. Yes. You know, they throw everybody they have to. Excuse me. Not that they want to, everybody they have to, they throw them over the side to keep their jobs. But let me, let me get to some, the point you just made about the real world and the press conference world. Because every time we see John Harbaugh, every time, John Harbaugh, and now he's escalating the number, it was either 100% behind him or 150% yeah. behind him. Yesterday it was 200% behind him. Is this real? No. is the relationship between John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson solid or are there holes in it
5: well i'm just look whether he, he may be whatever percent behind him um now but uh last friday <laughs> he wasn't i mean lamar it's it's you know again we can we can listen to what they say or we can watch what they do on Friday, the day after Lamar Jackson put a Twitter post up explaining his, you know, his truth of his medical situation and what he was putting out there, which he didn't consult with the team before doing, John Harbaugh spoke about that situation for two and a half minutes the following day. Never, you never said, never said the young man's name. Um, hid behind HIPAA laws, which is ridiculous. Um, and clearly was not. Um, they were not simpatico about the handling of that situation. Then he doesn't fly with the team to Cincinnati. Yeah, then he, he wasn't there. A, a, the Instagram post I talked about, uh, you know, the Instagram story with the quote I was talking about about, you know, how it how what it means to appreciate something and what you do for something you actually appreciate. And then he sends out another Instagram story with half of his, you know, the back of his jersey and half of it's blacked out in purple. And instead of it being an eight, it says Jackson zero. So I mean. Would, would, however we're supposed to interpret that, clearly these are signs of him saying, hey, I left before everybody else cleaned out their lockers. I'm not going to be around to talk to the media. you know." But I, he still felt the need to put out his version yeah. of his reality before they mm-hmm. got to stand before all the assembled media for an hour and say whatever the hell they wanted to say. So, uh, again, you know, 100%, 200%. The bottom line is this owner... He's not 100% into giving Lamar Jackson what he wants. In fact, he's nowhere close to 100% into giving Lamar Jackson what he wants, and I've gotten no indication that what Lamar Jackson wants has changed whatsoever. So, you know, deadline spur actions, maybe this franchise tag period brings something different out in Steve Bashotti, and he changes his tune. But short of that happening, they can be 5,000% behind. Lamar Jackson, if Lamar Jackson doesn't have a signed contract, yeah. he's not out there practicing football for them, and he's not out there playing football for them. I've
2: borrowed that five or six times on television, your notion that Bashadi doesn't want to give him a fully guaranteed contract. But it always leads to this question. If Lamar Jackson had hired a professional agent, as so many people do, I I have a lawyer to negotiate contracts. I can't do it. Sure. I'm good at X. I'm not good at right. Y. I'm not. Lamar Jackson is a really rare talent as a football player. That doesn't mean he's a good negotiator. Maybe Roquan Smith is a good negotiator. Maybe he is. Do you think if Lamar Jackson had professional representation, this would be different or no?
5: Well, I think it would be different, but that doesn't mean it would be worse. Um, You know, the reality of agents is they in this day and age get less percent than you know. 3% used to be the standard. There's a lot of guys out there doing contracts for half a percent, a percent. Um, it costs more to train them for the combine. You know, There's more upfront expense than ever before. The margins are very slim, and there's always this massive fear that I'm going to have done everything I needed to do to get this player ready for the combine, to maximize his draft potential, um, to start steering the early part of his career. And then I get kicked to the curb before we get to do the real contract. the first contract's not even negotiated. I mean it's spotted. That's
2: right. That's right. So
5: they're gonna they're gonna go somewhere else. Somebody else will do it for point you know, zero point one five of a percent or whatever, and I'm gonna lose them and I'm gonna be out all that money after the rookie contract ends. So if he had an agent, I, I think the deal may have gotten done when the Josh Allen deal got done because the agent would have said, If you don't give us what that kid just got and a little bit more You're not going to see us for the entire offseason program. And even though this CBA makes it really hard to hold out, we're going to threaten that like hell. We're going to to go to the media. You know what I mean? We're going to tell them exactly what you put on the table, how much you're disrespecting this player, how you think he's different than these other quarterbacks. You know, we're going to make it ugly for you. None of that happened. Lamar didn't say boo. Didn't even put out a passive-aggressive Instagram post. Just played it out. You know, happy-go-lucky at that time still. So the rubber didn't hit the road then. Yes. But that doesn't mean that he's not in a better position now, because at some point the agent would have caved. The agent would have said, you're really not worth what you think you're worth. We'd oh. better take the bird in hand right now. Okay. They're, they're going to get you hurt. You know what I mean? We need, we need to cave. Now, is that agent doing that because it's absolutely true? Or is that agent doing that because at that point in time it's in his or her best interest to steer you that way? I mean, there's a lot of bad contracts to get negotiated in this sense. league. All the time, and there's some of the same culprits who do it over and over and over again. That's the dirty little secret. Now, we could quibble about what he should have made last year and this and that and the other, but 23 this year, 45 next year, if you have the stupidity to tag him beyond that, we're talking 60. So that's 130 enrolling guarantees right there, and he's still walking out your door at age 28. So is it, is it the, the, the way it would normally go down? You know, could, could, he, could he have made a little more money or maybe a lot more money sooner? Yes, but I don't think any agent would have gotten him to this point, and right now he's at the point he needs to get to, which is once a quarterback gets on a franchise tag, forget about it. You've got them over a barrel.
2: No, you're right. I look at Kirk Cousins. No, you're 100% right. I'll switch gears utterly. I guess I'm stupid because I made fun of the fact When we introduced Steve Young, I made fun of the fact that uh, the Cowboys were getting two and a half, two to two and a half less days rest than San Francisco, Mm -hmm. and Steve Young said that's a big deal. It actually is a big deal. What do you make of that?
5: I like the Niners in this spot for a lot of reasons, and that is one of them. And it's not even so much that, you know, this week, which we're focused on and them playing a Monday night game and them getting back to Dallas really, really late and they're cutting into their time. Excuse me, but they go to Tampa and then they go to San Francisco. that's a lot of travel um, you know they had the week before that where they you know they're playing a game they don't really know who they're playing against um, you've got the the specter of the extended rest and the you know and 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 I don't think I mean the 49ers played the Raiders like January 2nd they've been in their own beds since then. Yeah, I mean, they've spent the month of January home, getting all our regular treatment, you know what I mean, getting, sleeping in our sort of mattress or whatever that's set to our settings, like all those creature comforts in my hyperbaric chamber in my basement. Like, I think you're talking about, you know, three weeks of that, like while Dallas is scrambling and playing games all over the country. I think that matters, and especially with a quarterback like Brock Purdy. Being at home really matters. I mean, that's one more thing he can settle into. And know that, you know, he's not going to have to fight the crowd. He's not going to have to fight any of that stuff. Um, and I think they're the better team. Um, I think they're the more balanced team. I think they're the team that over the last five or six weeks has certainly been playing um, the better football. Uh, but a lot of people I've talked to this week are on the Cowboys. So I, I think the 49ers might lay it, you know, lay it on them. But I-, I find myself in a minority. And a lot of sharps are on the Cowboys here um, but I think it's going to be a tough matchup for Dallas. I, I just okay. think they, on both sides of the ball, they're going to have to really bring their A game.
2: I'll get you out of here on this. Um, you said that Tom Brady is going. You have a column in the Washington Post today where you list the four uh, most reasonable opportunities. So I'll get off Brady and tell people to read the Washington Post. Is Aaron Rodgers going? I don't, You know, Mr. Yep. Passive-Aggressive, he's going, Right.
5: He wants to play somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, again, okay. I'm gonna, a week ago I told you, this cat's going to be traded. He's going to angle this thing because he's now at the point with where Brady was at the end with New England, which is, okay, i hung on for a couple years longer than I should. Now, unlike Brady, he wanted all the money. He wanted to rub their face in it. He wanted the most player-friendly contract possible that put them in the most difficult possible situation to build their team. He did that twice. They let him do that twice. That's on them. Um, but now he's done with that. I mean, yeah. you know, Randall Cobb's done. You know, the left tackle might be done. His boys aren't, you know, aren't going to probably be there. Uh, it's not the same roster it was three years ago. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it's, it's not that. But he told you. He told you what I told you he was going to tell you. When he talked to Pat McAfee. I still think I can win an MVP. They're the ones holding me back, not, not me holding yes. them back. Every single word he back. says. Baker Mayfield strategic. and Desmond Ritter were better than him while the Packers were on their 4-1 and run down the stretch. And I could probably go somewhere else and still do that. So, you know, I'm just going to have to think on this one. Like, yeah, good luck, Mark Murphy. He's going to screw you again, bro.
2: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Plug your radio show for us, Jason.
5: Uh, you can listen to me ramble and opine, um, along with Ken Wyman and Tim Barbalace, or at least the days that Ken Wyman feels like his throat is uh, is up to him being able to <laughs> to, <laughs> to post and show up for work, which this no. week was not at all. It's a great
2: um, instrument he's got. You yeah, know? but we, I, you know what, I, I
5: think we were better without him. I got to say, mm. he was holding us back, perhaps. <laughs>
2: there
5: you go. Um, so 2 to 6, uh, you can listen to Inside Access on 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore, or you can stream us at www.105.7 thefan or listen to us uh, in podcast form or straight through on the Odyssey app.
2: Thank you, Jason. Talk Thank to you.
5: you, guys. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games.
2: Jason La Confora, boys and girls. We will take a break. We will come back allegedly with James Carville and probably with Jeff Ma. <laughs> I'm Tony Kornheiser.
0: This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornizer Show.
4: Distraction, distraction, it's all about distraction. I'll show Michael cute pics of Bootsy Hammer and the captain. And when Mr. Tony's finished with the emails, finished talking, I'll tell Mr. Tony that Chessie needs a walk in. Finally, I'll distract Nigel with this small finagle. Over there, bagel sandwiches from Bethesda Bagel. And when distractions are complete and no one's on the beat, I'll whistle and the guys will drive a motorhome up the street. I promise we won't cut the wires or mess up Tony's cable, but I'm stealing Uncle Benny's table. I've had my sights on it for years. For a long time now, I've known it i just gotta own it the stories the secrets it must hold freud playing poker i must fold (laughs) dillinger his body growing cold (laughs) where houdini used to hide his gold i respect the nails and varnish i've held off as long as i am able but today i'm stealing uncle benny's
2: table dan burn is brilliant he has different melodies all the time different Does. words all the time he's playing at Jam and Java in Vienna Virginia tonight go yes. see him James Carville joins us now James was 3 and 3 last week almost everybody well everybody other than Chuck Todd Chuck Todd was the only winning record last week but James is 68 41 and 3 and this leads to something we're going to play now from MSNBC on the Ari Melber show, and I have heard of Ari Melber. I mean, I thought he was an economics guy. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I have heard of him. Let's hear James and Ari from last night or uh, the recently. other day. Yeah, recently.
7: Go ahead. You're a sports fan. I'm 70 and 40 publicly against the spread on Tony Kornhauser. <laughs> Who is Tony? <laughs> Tony Kornhauser. Who is that? <laughs> a Pti guy on ESPN. Okay. Okay, I pick against the spread. I think I'm 70 and 40 over the year, and I'm 20 and 0 on my blue plate specials. So listen in. I might have a hot one this weekend. Okay. Did it
2: occur to you? At what point did it occur to you that you were talking to a stone? He had no idea what you were saying.
7: <laughs> pretty, pretty sure. I thought I was 3 2 and 1. I thought the Bengals were a push.
2: I don't think so. I thought it was seven and a half. I thought there was a half point in there somewhere.
7: I don't know. I, in a, in, a, in a New Orleans, where I pick a, on the advocate website, it was seven. I thought it was seven. I thought it was the greatest push of my lifetime because Baltimore was really good. I underestimated them. Wait a second. Wait a second. So
2: I've got Baltimore plus seven and a half. I've got seven okay. and a half.
7: Right, so that right. right. y'all skipped me. Okay. Oh, everybody <laughs> had that number. Everybody no, had that. It number. it was seven everywhere. Okay. All right, so
2: seven. All right, I so don't, push, don't, don't we'll give it to you. We're giving it to close. you. We'll give it to you, James. We we'll give you. So you're sixty-eight, 40, and four. Okay. Okay. I will exaggerate. I
7: wasn't seventy and forty. That's
2: okay. You're close. 68, Sixty-eight, forty, I'm not and four.
7: Pro- I'm in politics, we get to shade the truth a little bit. Well, you no, know?
2: you get. Uh, no, the new word is you get to embellish. Like George Santos. (laughs) Get to embellish.
7: All right. You didn't lose. You lose-ish. That's all. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, my grandchild is coming any minute, and it's going to be actually (laughs) Jewish. There you go. There you go. All right. So are you going to pick them all?
2: There's no college games to fall back on. Are you going to pick them all? Well,
7: yeah, I'll pick all four. Yeah. So I'm gonna drop name here. I, I had lunch at Archie Manning yesterday, Ooh. and all eight starting quarterbacks came through the Manning Passing Academy.
2: Is that That's right? Wow.
7: Yes. Wow. Yes. And he also told me that Trevor Lawrence was the prototype of the perfect NFL quarterback.
2: Is that right? He he likes him he, better
7: than anybody. Okay. He just said he just you know I don't know what he said just you know jump, you know close to like probably develop I don't know if he's saying right this minute but.
2: Uh, what are what are project. the numbers you have? Will you tell us what you well, think the odds are? Let's start with Jacksonville, Kansas City, right? it's uh, eight and a half. Jacksonville plus eight and a half, yes. Uh, uh
7: take the Jags. Really? We'll uh, go with trouble arms, yeah. Yeah.
3: Okay. Well we actually I see it here as, as nine. Would you like nine? You want nine, and get nine.
7: I'd like yeah, i take nine. There I'll there take you go. nine. Okay. Yeah, they got and by the way, Jacksonville have a uh you know, if they if they can they're not a little better than you know I don't think they'll win the game but that's a lot of points. Yeah, you're gonna you're
2: taking points. You're not thinking they're going to actually beat Kansas City, right?
7: Not necessarily. Okay,
2: what's the Giants I don't line? Care. What's Giants line? Uh, I've got it at seven and a half, fitted, giving seven
7: and a half. After, yeah, seven and a half. And this is the, the conventional pick, but I'm going to make it anyway and take the Giants. Okay. It, you know you by well, the third time you play a team. It, you know, it's hard to, to beat them bad. And, uh, you know, who was that? Stephen A. Smith said that uh, Daniel Jones is not up to being an NFL quarterback. Well, that didn't turn out to be too good, did he? No, <laughs> you make mistakes on TV. Yeah. <laughs> you make know, mistakes. I've done it all the time.
2: Yeah, well, more than that, like the last time I talked with Ari Melber, he, he, was saying, <laughs> he was saying that he loved Jimmy G. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Cincinnati? Uh, I've, got, I've
3: got Buffalo giving five and a half now.
7: That's what I got, too. man. And I'm taking Cincinnati. Because you love Burrow. To throw me off. It'd like, take a lot to throw me off that horse.
2: Yeah, you love Burrow. I know. And Dallas, San Francisco. We've, we've got now uh, San Francisco giving four.
7: Yeah, that's the only favorite I'm taking.
2: You're going to take San Francisco. You, you and Chuck Todd. Tart-
7: Tony, I'm going to tell you the most undercover story in sports. Olivia Dunn. D-U-N-N-E.
3: She's the gymnast from, from yeah. NSU, right? TikTok star.
7: Right. She cannot. She's six. in, in every athlete in, in NIL. And she can't go to class because the boys give us. And she was in Utah and they had to get security in Salt Lake City. Really? That's crazy. It's a huge story. They're yeah. doing it a segment on the day show today. I thought that was the Post had this Posted story the ago. other day. Yeah, Post
2: yeah. had this story. Yeah.
7: Yeah, they had. It. I mean, but this this, this, this athlete is. Uh, uh, then if have a meet at LSU with Missouri on the SEC Network, I'm gonna watch it. And they get they get they get more people go to the gym to meet and go to a basketball game. Did
2: you see uh, the there was a quarterback who who got out of his commitment, I think, to Florida because he was expecting thirteen and a half million
7: dollars gonna... in NIL. By the way, I'm, I'm going to tell you something right now. LSU is going to be really good next year, really good in football. They just, oh yes, yes, they just signed Oregon State, all Pac-12. Yeah, yeah, yeah and they, 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 they're going to be really. I mean, they, I don't, I'm not saying they're going to be up there with Georgia and Alabama. I promise you.
2: Okay, they're going to be good. Well, yes. that would be good. That's the reason Brian Kelly went. To win, he's not makes no bones about it. To win a national championship, no, yeah,
7: that's that. Yes, and, and you know that's and that's our goal. I mean, no, you know, you know we're, we're like, yeah, yeah, you know, that's fine. Why not just say what you setting out to do?
2: So that's why and you, and I, yeah, that's why you go get Kim Mulkey to coach women's basketball. Yeah. to
7: win Dude, a national
2: championship, right? The
7: Wait, they, they play at South Carolina on the afternoon of the Super Bowl. Ooh. That's going be, I yeah. don't know quite South Carolina yet, but I, I, I would have trouble betting against Kim Mulkey. But South Carolina is really, really They're great. good. They're great. All right. Thank yeah. you, James. Okay.
2: Good luck. You bet. Thanks uh-huh. for Ari Melber. Appreciate him. Come on. Come Who's on. Who's that? I don't even know. Who was that? Okay. <clears throat> he doesn't sound like a sports guy, does he? No. So, Ari
1: Melber. In fact, I can imagine.
2: I didn't see Aren't this. Aren't
1: you trained to fill in that moment?
2: <laughs> oh, where, where was he before? Where can you, what time is that on? We got, we got this. Somebody sent this to us.
3: The transcript?
2: Sent us the transcript. <laughs> Bernie Woodall sent this to us. Typed it out word by word. Yeah, we, we, uh, Bernie from Fort Lauderdale. I mean, I'm just going to take a guess that Ari Melber is not a sports guy. I mean, that's a guess on my part. So that when James says to him, i 70 and 40, pick it publicly. He doesn't know what that means. Not only doesn't he know me. He has no idea what Carville is Just talking. Deer about. to headlight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's thinking, "Is this my show? <laughs> Am I supposed to do something here?" I've lost. But James control doesn't let it go. Show. That's
3: great. No, James's James, frustration when he doesn't know who you are is fantastic. Blue special. Yeah. This is Tony. Tony this Gordon's is the out.
2: greatest thing. <laughs> this is simply the greatest thing that ever happened. Is Jeff with us? Jeff is with us. Jeff yes. missed that. He's he's going to have to go back and listen to it and hear it. The Carville thing. All right. Jeff was three and three last week. Jeff, of course. Gives us bet the process all the time, which everybody listens to, we hope, with Rufus. And Jeff is 52-40-1. There's only seven games left. So if you've bet with Jeff Ma, you can't lose over the course of the year. Mm-hmm. If you have religiously bet with him, you, you you have won. You must feel a little bit good about that, right, Jeff?
6: I mean, it is like a religion, right? So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I yeah. feel good about it. Um, I actually feel good about the fact that the last few years here is been pretty good to be over five hundred with you. So it's been a it's been a good ride. Good.
2: That sounds like you're leaving us.
6: <laughs> you know, no, no, okay, no. Good. I would never leave you. Okay. Okay. You know, Dad. Tony, I'm actually Dad. turning fifty this weekend, so it's a it's a big big moment for me. Well, really, happy birthday.
2: Happy birthday to you. Happy
6: would birthday. We'd love to get the whole the whole team out for the birthday party, but it's a pretty late invite. so and Well
2: it's it's okay. But we'll be there in spirit. <laughs> we'll be there in spirit. There, there you
6: go. All right, let's go. Jacksonville,
2: Kansas City.
6: Uh, I'm going to take – so this is a game, obviously, that was played earlier. Um, It's a game where, you know, the teams are very different then, and Jacksonville's offense is much better. Um, I think it's a game that's going to have a lot of scoring. The thing that I really like here is the over. Um, I think Kansas City will probably – I like them to cover the 8.5 also, but the the real play for me is the over because I think both teams will be able to score – I think we've talked about this that Peterson is a co- is a coach that's going to continue to take chances. Um, it's almost like he's playing with the house money, so to speak. Yes. Um, and with that, you have a, a sort of a distribution that you create. Where I think if you're going to bet Jacksonville, you want to probably bet the money line. Um, but I think, and if you're going to bet Kansas City, you kind of want to bet the point spread because there is a chance uh, that it could get out of hand because of the chances that he takes. And I think that will lead to more scoring, both from Kansas City and Jacksonville. So really what I like here is the total over 453.
2: Okay, well, I will certainly write that down as well as you taking Kansas City. Andy Reid coming out of bye weeks is like 4,002 over the course (laughs) of his career. All right, Giants, Philadelphia.
6: So a situation here where I think the Giants are getting a little bit too much love Based on their win against Minnesota, they, you know, they that was a great situation for them. Minnesota had a terrible game plan, had a terrible defense against them, and they got into a situation where, you know, I think Philly has been sort of become underrated now because of the fact that they are, you know, they, that they've been sort of ignored because of their early season performance. So I, I like Philly uh, minus the seven and a half. Um, I think the Giants just were in a great situation last week, and Philly's now being kind of underrated because of the fact that, you know, their start was so great, and they kind of, like, slowly came to where they are now. But they got the bye, um, and, you know, that's what's going to get them the win and the cover here.
2: You're going to take both bye teams, right? Yeah, both okay. bye teams. Okay, Cincinnati-Buffalo. One play
6: that is it's kind of interesting for people is if you could take Kansas City and Philadelphia in a tease, which I know, Carville, which I know Chuck Todd has talked about, um, that's a pretty good situation because you are, you, you know, the buy gives them a little bit of value, um, an extra, you know, half a point or something like that, and then home field and all that. So that that's all built into the line somewhat. But a tease six point tease getting it to two and a half and one and a half for both of those favorites is is a is a pretty strong play here. Yes,
2: that would seem to be. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. What about Cincinnati Buffalo?
6: I like Buffalo um, minus the five. I think Cincinnati's offensive line problems are really are you know like it's it's built into the line, people are thinking about it, whatnot, but I do think it's gonna to be too much for them to overcome and, and to be honest, I think this line should be a little bit higher. I think it should be six, six and a half. Um I know you talked about earlier this week that you thought this was too many points for a good Cincinnati team. I think if Cincinnati were totally healthy, that might be true. Uh-huh. Um I do think that the offensive line is 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 a problem. Um I worry a little bit about Josh Allen and sort of the carelessness that he's had with the ball um, recently. And I think that's the only way that Buffalo doesn't cover this game is if, if uh, Josh Allen makes some passes that, that lead to interceptions and, and they turn the ball over. So this
2: is interesting. Um, Josh Allen had a bad game. His last game was a bad game. Nobody had a worse game than Dak Prescott against Washington. Oh. <laughs> and the next week he was flawless He was flawless the next week. So maybe Josh Allen will have that kind of rebound. And I also, the only thing I worry about, we've talked about this a lot, I'm going to assume that DeMar Hamlin's going to be at that game if he can physically be at that game. And if that puts too much pressure on Buffalo, do you factor any of that in or do you just say, no, I I can't deal with
6: that? No, I mean, I think it's hard. All these things see this is the thing with analytics like people will say oh well you can't measure this you can't measure that and they're absolutely right you really can't measure a lot of the stuff but you try to measure everything that you can and then you put it into a model and you you do what you do but yeah those motivation factors one way or the other just like you said i mean one they might be extra motivated two there might be almost like too much excitement and they make some difficult decisions so again going just back with the numbers you know, Buffalo should be favored by a little bit more than five and a half. Cincinnati has injuries on the offensive line that are forcing Burrow to, to you know, get the ball out early. And I, 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 you know, I like the Bills here.
2: Okay, last one is Dallas at San Francisco. Dallas getting four, I think, at this point. Yeah. Yes. yeah.
6: This 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 all comes down to like Purdy and what what you believe about Purdy. Do you think? What do you think the line in this game would be if Garoppolo were playing?
2: Uh, I think it'd be seven or eight.
6: Yeah, so, I mean, it, it just depends on what you think about Purdy. So, Purdy, you know, we had Mina Kimes on the podcast this week. She actually liked Purdy better than Grappolo, thinks he can do more stuff out of structure when a play breaks down. With Grappolo you kind of know what you have. Um, Purdy probably gives the, the Niners a little bit more upside, a little bit more opportunity to win. You know, Rufus thinks this line should be closer to uh, – Dallas. I mean, San Francisco only favored by one, so he likes Dallas. Um, wow. Again, that's because of how he's modeling Purdy versus Garoppolo. He he thinks this line would be right if it was Garoppolo. Um, I like San Francisco. I think the you know three and a half four is is reasonable. Um, again, and it all comes down to what you think Purdy is. I mean, history would tell us that a quarterback in this situation with this level of experience is not going to do very well. But, but there is just not a large sample size on that. So ultimately, you know, you're, you're kind of, if you're betting San Francisco here, just betting that Purdy is an outlier.
2: So you bet all home teams. Uh, is there any statistical model for this week in the playoffs that favors home teams to that degree?
6: Well, I, I put this out on Twitter that in the last 20 years of the divisional round, the team that has scored the most points in each game is 80-0. and 0.
2: Yeah, but of course. (laughs) I mean, come
6: on. Yes. That's me making fun of trends. Okay. Like these trends are arbitrary. The endpoints are arbitrary. They're, you know, it's really hard to sort of, and the problem with historical trends like that, if you look at them, is the market is not a static thing. It will adjust to these trends. So if you say like, oh, in the divisional round, you know, the favorites have been blah, blah, blah. I mean, everyone knows that, and everyone will adjust to that if if the market doesn't adjust. So, or if there's a reason why those trends exist. So,
2: thank you, Jeff. And people can listen to Jeff and Rufus on Bet the Process. Um, and good luck with this. You, you and I know you don't want to hear this. You and Reginald picked the exact same line. Here. You and Reginald. Now, Reginald well, didn't take the over. That. I'd
6: rather be tied to a monkey than a political pundit. <laughs>
2: Thank you, Jeff, and happy birthday.
6: Thanks. Bye, Tony.
2: Jeff Ma, boys and girls. We'll take a break. Uh, We will come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
1: Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
0: You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show.
2: went shopping yesterday. I went into the ice cream aisle, but something caught my eye.
4: Got a surprise tonight at Safeway, yes, it's true. Went for the till just like I always do. <laughs> you wanna know what? I bought two cartons
0: of I'm <laughs> a shopping bag Of full tonight. I bought
4: two cartons of Hagen Daz. I
2: bought two cartons of Hagen Daz. Two ninety-four for Hagen dogs, and I got two dark Belgian chocolate chips it's brilliant it's not Eddie Money it's not two tickets to paradise it's two cartons of Haagen-Dazs it's Steve Lipton in Springfield it's just brilliant that is fantastic Absolutely Thanks, brilliant. Steve
3: absolutely brilliant. Eddie Mahoney right was that his real name yes
2: Yes. his, his dad was a cop that's, r- that's right cop, that's Mahoney. right um, I think he grew up really close to
1: Brian Kenny. Oh. On Long Island. No yeah. kidding. The worst is now whenever I go to the Safeway, I, I walk your steps as I go down <laughs> the ice cream aisle just to see if anything's different.
2: Uh, you want to do the Bethesda Bagels ad?
3: Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you, then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. That'll do
2: it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say eight miles high and when you touch down, you'll find that it's stranger than known. Signs in the street that say where you're going are somewhere just being their own. Nowhere is there warmth to be found among those afraid of losing their ground rain great town known for its sound in places small faces unbound Those are the birds the lead singer in that song is McGuinn Obviously, but David Crosby's in that song eight miles high Yeah, and wrote some um, of the lyrics So this too. is our tribute to David Crosby. Thanks to our guests today Jason Fora, James Carville Jeff Ma. Thanks to our sponsor Liquid IV remember you can listen to us on Apple podcast Spotify Google Play and Odyssey if you get the show through Apple podcast Please leave us a review So we've got from Mike in Evanston, Illinois. My dog isn't smart enough to mimic passing emergency vehicles. However, the other day after I drove through the Burger King, she turned to me and she said with contempt, I can't believe those prices. (laughs) Aren't dogs the best? Smart dog, yes. From Warren Nagler in Elk Grove, California. While my dog, Buster... Yes, he's named after Buster Posey, may not howl at the moon, sing with an ambulance siren, or bark at the Amazon delivery driver. He has the most sensitive hearing of any dog I've ever owned. He runs away from popping noises, beeping fire alarms, and firecrackers, among others. However, over the holiday season, there was a new trigger to his paranoia, Mariah Carey. Yes, when her holiday special was being promoted on TV, we noticed that after the end of the commercial, Buster would get up and leave the room. It happened every single time that commercial came on. It didn't matter Hmm. if he was sleeping or playing. If he heard that song and the high-pitched final note, he took off and ran out of the room. It gives a new meaning to a sound only dogs can hear. She may not be the official queen of Christmas, but she sure cast a spell over Buster. Guess that's one song we need to remove from the holiday playlist for next year. Elk Grove, California, I believe, is the hometown of Bill Cartwright. He's uh, a former center on the Chicago Bulls and the center on a a really, really good San Francisco team, University of San Francisco. From Scott Feist in New Baden, Illinois. Mine was a large full-blooded Labrador retriever named Ruckus. He fit the name. He didn't do ambulances, but we would but he would sing at certain jets going over, depending on the type of jet and engine. It was funny for a while, but We lived on an Air Force base. The amusing part was short-lived. From Chris Patterson, Pompton Plains, New Jersey, my rescue named Paco, who's a Chihuahua and Beagle mix, whose only features of a Beagle are his folded ears, howls to the town fire siren in perfect harmony. Not only does he howl to the town fire siren, he howls in harmony to the following things on TV— the Law and Order theme song. Will Bond would love that because he watches only Law and Order. <laughs> yes. The does. Family Guy yes. theme song. The progressive commercial that features Limu Emu, where the guy screams in the elevator, No, no, Limu Emu <laughs> is not progressive. It's Liberty Mutual. That's right, it's Liberty it's Mutual. Liberty Mutual. Liberty right. In fact, right. with his progress, that commercial's great. <laughs> Should I riff here? That commercial's brilliant. Line. In fact, with the, yeah, with the progressive commercial, he knows when it's coming on because his folded ears pick up, and he stands up like he's prepping for a solo. Every time any of those come on, it's a max dash to mute the TV, especially during nap time of our 13-month-old. He tries so hard when he howls to all of these things that he inevitably starts coughing. How do you teach a dog to howl from a diaphragm? From Grant McGuire, our friend in Huntington, West Virginia... How is it you can't sing, but you can howl pitch perfect? You need a midnight radio show like Wolfman,
3: mm-hmm. Tony.
2: By the way, you are correct. <laughs> Bill Cartwright from Of course I'm correct. You know who else is from why there? Why don't you bet against me? I no, will... I don't know who else is from Scott Boris. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's Northern California, I believe. I believe you are correct. Yeah, that's why he would name a dog Buster, because Buster Posey played yes. for the Giants. Sacramento County. <clears throat> uh, from Mike Wickham in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Let me add to the collection of items our dear dogs have consumed. This was many years ago, late 70s. My wife at the time and I had a wonderful, loving black lab. She was the runt of a litter of nine and the sweatiest, I think he means sweetest, gentlest (laughs) dog ever. It was Levitard's dog would be sweatiest, but sweetest. (laughs) Now, back in those days, we didn't have much. We drove a 1972 VW Beetle, an original one, not the more modern style that came along after. If you or listeners have never been in one, they were pretty sparse. The dashboard was maybe one or two inches thick, and you sat right up to it. The glove box had an odd-shaped metal door that was held closed with a rotational clasp. Now, we, along with said dog, visited visited my mother one Saturday. Upon leaving, Mom gifted us with a fresh a bag of fresh-baked cookies to take home. On that journey home, we passed a yard large sale yard sale along the way. Could have been a large sale, too. Again, not having much, it seemed a great opportunity to maybe find something useful at pennies on the dollar. Before we exited the car, my wife stashed the cookies inside the glove box. We were out of the car for maybe five minutes max. Upon return, my wife opened her door and exclaimed, oh no, what happened? I looked in to see her seat was covered with some strange black plastic with some kind of foam attached. It quickly became apparent that the dear dog had chewed the dashboard off all the way around the glove compartment door. Whoops! Luckily, none was consumed and somehow the dog managed to keep her happy home. From Did you Ra- get to the cookies? I guess she must have eaten all the cookies. I hope after from that. Ross Davis. Is this our friend Ross Davis who managed the hotel where I could park when I had oh, physical therapy? That's right. Ross Davis in Alexandria, Virginia. I can pl- finally play a game. Besides being the official valet parking provider for medical purposes of the Tony Kornheiser show, <laughs> <coughs> our I late could dog use that Buster <laughs> is everybody being naming their dogs Buster? A German Shepherd mix would howl on a regular basis whenever there was a siren passing by, or if someone was playing the flute close by. He would raise his head like Snoopy the Beagle and let it wail. On another note, one Easter, my then-Shiksa girlfriend—well, she's still a Shiksa, but now she's my wife—had a (laughs) chocolate Easter bunny on the center of her dining room table in a plastic box. Buster removed the chocolate bunny, ate it, and put the empty package back in the same spot, as if nobody had touched it. The only evidence was the missing bunny and a little chocolate on his nose. While we were playing this game, my birthday is 227, my late brother's 328, great numbers— my hometown, Ridgefield, Connecticut, has had a number of famous residents, authors Richard Scarry or Scarry Maury Sendak, Obama speechwriter Cody Keenan, Typhoid Mary Mallon, fellow little Mike Ruvo, actor Robert Vaughn, he used to drive around in town in his Rolls Royce, and my father would say, that's the man from UNCLE. I had no idea who that was. <laughs> but maybe most important, the late, great Jimmy Steinman was a resident. I haven't been on Chuck and Roxy's Laura Little's podcast yet. Maybe I should. And this leads me in unexpectedly to a story with which we will close the show. I was at Columbia yesterday and I was walking in the pool in an attempt to help prevent and avoid an operation on my back. It was the third time I was walking in a pool and I was up to about 25 minutes. I got out of the pool, took a shower, put on my clothes, got in my car, turned on my car and noticed that on the radio was a... a picture of a song they were playing on a particular station and it was air supply and it was um, making love out of nothing at all oh and I knew this song and I happened to turn it on in the absolute beginning of the song and so I got the entire song and I tried very hard to discern all the lyrics the lyrics come at you at 90 miles an hour and the production is if Phil Spector had a wall of sound, this is nine walls of sound. <laughs> this is a Jimmy Steinman song. And I marvel at the fact that Jimmy Steinman could take people who were not necessarily great singers on their own, like Air Supply, a pop group, or like Bonnie Tyler, who didn't have any other real hits, not like Total Eclipse of the Heart, yeah. and he could write these songs and produce these songs for these people. And... You know, I know, like, I get to the part where he says, and I can make all the stadiums rock. And I just started screaming, I can make all the stadiums rock. I don't know all the the lyrics from the song. I know a lot of them. And I got home, and I got on the phone. I didn't even get home. I called in the car. I called my friend Peter Lazarus, who is a doctor in Fort Worth, Texas, and who was the best man at my wedding many years ago. And he gets on the phone. I said, Peter. We're pretty smart, but this guy's a genius. And I put another word in front of genius to emphasize what kind of genius he was. I then sent the exact same message. I explained what I had done and sent the exact same message to my friend, David Sonnenberg, who managed Meatloaf and Jimmy Steinman his entire career, to which I got back. Yeah. Yeah. And Peter said the same thing. Yeah. He was in. Just a different league. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white.
4: Victor Wimbanyama, Victor Wimbanyama, Victor Wimbanyama.
2: Go see him tonight.
4: distraction, it's all about distraction. I'll show Michael cute pics of Bootsy Hammer and the Captain. And when Mr. Tony's finished with the emails finished talking, I'll tell Mr. Tony that Chessie needs a walkin'. Finally I'll distract Nigel with this small finagle over there bagel sandwiches from Bethesda Bagel. And when distractions are complete, and no one's on the beat. I'll whistle and the guys will drive a motorhome up the street. I promise we won't cut the wires or mess up Tony's cable, but I'm stealing Uncle Benny's table. I've had my sights on it for years. For a long time now, I've known it. I just got to own it. The stories, the secrets, it must hold. Freud playing poker, I must fold. Dillinger, his body growing cold, where Houdini used to hide his gold. I respect the nails and varnish I've held off as long as I am able. But today I'm stealing Uncle Benny's table.